Welcome back to the Photo Banter Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Gagne, and on today's podcast, I speak with photographer Bellamy Hunt, who is also known online as Japan Camera Hunter. Bellamy runs his business, Japan Camera Hunter, where he sources high-quality film cameras and photographic equipment for photographers and camera collectors around the world. In this interview, I speak to Bellamy about growing up in the UK and how he first discovered photography. And I also speak to Bellamy about what drew him to Tokyo, Japan, where he has lived and worked for over 10 years now. Bellamy is someone who has an immense amount of knowledge and respect for both the craft and history of photography, which he showcases on both his popular Instagram page and YouTube channel. So I was really excited to get a chance to speak with him about his unique path in the photographic industry. So I hope you enjoy, and thanks so much for listening. We got Bellamy Hunt, a.k.a. Japan Camera Hunter. Welcome to the podcast, man. Uh, Thank you for having me. Yeah, man, really excited to talk to you. Like, definitely a real fan of everything you got going on over there. Really unique thing you've been working on for years. Uh before we kind of started rolling here, we we're kind of talking about just the last five months with COVID and everything going on in the world. I yeah. guess, like, I'm interested to talk to you because you have a different perspective because you're in Japan. I guess, sure. like, how, how's life been for you just, like, living and just, like, in terms of business, I guess? Uh, it's, it's been rough. I mean, I think it's been rough for everybody, but we've, we've had, at least people here, there's a certain amount of uh, pragmatism and common sense. I mean, towards it, people wear masks, people yep. social distance, you know. Yeah, there are cases, but not a huge amount. But the first, I think the first few months, there was a, a lot of fear. So we basically stayed home for effectively three months. Um, you know, kids were off school. I, my office is really close to where I live. Um, and I can go there by by walk or by bike so I don't have to get on a crowded train or anything which which meant I could still go to the office and I had to because I still had to work yeah um, and yeah it, it was it so it's not so much the Japanese business because my business isn't uh, majority of my clients aren't Japanese mm-hmm. majority of my clients are in the in the USA <laughs> um, <laughs> which has had an effect on my business as I look at the news and I go, whoa, wow. Um, and, you know, the, the, there was another, the international travel thing really affected things because it makes it harder to ship stuff. Mm-hmm. And then your postal service um, went a bit funky. Yeah. And or at least that's what it, Trump tell, at least that's what Donald Trump tells us. So who fucking knows? Like, it's, yeah, it's think, crazy. Maybe. I'm I'm an outsider looking in, so I can't really say anything other than sort your post out. It was amazing, and now it sucks. And yeah. now we have to use DHL, which costs like three times, four times the price. You know, wow. Um, so that that's had a knock-on effect on the business. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, people are less reluctant, uh, less inclined to buy small things. You know, a T-shirt or some film cases or a roll of film because they're like. Why should I pay twice the value of the product for shipping? You know, and I can see that point. <laughs> Why yeah. should they? Yeah. yeah. And, and I mean, it's tough because if, like you say, like a lot of your customers are in the U S and now we got tens of millions of people 
out of work they're just collecting unemployment so they're not looking to buy like the new leica or something like that yeah yeah it it, it makes and it's going to be i think it's going to be the same for every business we have to um diversify we have to strategize you know all of these uh marketing keywords and we have to do all of all of that sort of stuff and have synergy or whatever um we just have to work to survive and make sure that I can pay my staff so because I have a responsibility to them so I can make sure that I don't cut their salary so that they can continue to put money into the economy so we can keep things going. Yeah. I mean, that I'm not after making tons of money. I don't make tons of money. I'm after just making sure that the people around me can survive. You know? I think I think any most most people that work in photography, being you're shooting, if you own a film lab, if you're doing what you're doing very few people are making a ton of money. It's just like yeah. the way I view it. If I can like this, keep on the train and keep doing this, like if yeah. I make great money, that's good. But if I can just like sustain myself and like eat and live, like that's, that's the dream right there. I mean, initially that was for me, you know, if I can sustain myself and then it became, if I can sustain my family. And now I feel like, because I have employees, yeah. I feel like I have, I, I want to make sure that they can sustain their families too. Mm-hmm. you know it, become, it becomes bigger and uh, right. i don't want it to get too big because i'm conscious of then i wouldn't be able to do that adequately yeah you know i, I feel that would be uh, perhaps irresponsible you know, mm-hmm. you know yeah, i want to make sure that they're taken care of yeah because in like, these unstable like, times yeah. yeah because like what you do you're catering to like a real like a niche uh group of people that are looking for certain things and it's like I would imagine yeah. a lot of the reason people come to you is because one, you have the knowledge, uh, you can find what they're looking for and it's, you can add a level of customer service that you're not going to get at like whatever sure. certain camera store or online yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah. I mean, I, I would say to anybody as well though, please do support your local bricks and mortar stores. Yeah. You know, please do go and buy film from them and, and, and get processing done. If they've got cameras, buy them. You know, mm-hmm. I provide a service which isn't for everybody, but um, it certainly provides a, a good service to the people who want it. Yeah. And I will try and fill the gaps that perhaps somewhere local can't do for them. But, yeah. you know, I will always say to somebody, hey, man, you can find this cheaper locally, save the money and buy some film. Yeah. Uh, because it, I don't want uh, people to, to spend too much money when they don't have to. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, of course, I want people to buy from me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely, uh, man. <laughs> uh, I'm not saying don't come and buy my stuff, you know, <laughs> please do. No, hit up um, Bellamy, man. He's going to find you that Bronica. He's going to find you that Makina. No, I'm Whatever not, not going to find you a Bronica, though. Okay, never okay. mind, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> there's, yeah, because there's certain things I can't find anymore because I, I don't necessarily trust them because they're getting too old or they're too hard to find so there's just a there's a few things you know a few cameras that i don't or, or types of cameras that i don't source compacts being one um sorry i'll turn my uh, mail <laughs> um but uh yeah the i don't source those so those are gaps that the stores can fill you know but for the stuff that's perhaps rarer a bit more esoteric yeah then then i'm the guy to come and get it from yeah, you kind of made an interesting point you touched on is like supporting your local camera shops. And I know like last week we we talked briefly and I know uh, like myself, I think you kind of grew up skateboarding, right? And yeah, and, yeah. 
and I don't know about where you're from, but like the skate shop is like such an essential thing within the skate community. It was the absolute hub. And the, the camera shop's the same way in a sense, because like, I know that the, the local camera shops have been in Boston, like some of the big ones I used to go to are gone, but the ones that are still there, like Hunt's photo is a chain. And it's an important thing. Like you, you start to like uh, build relationships with the people that work there and they can help you find stuff and explain stuff to you. Yeah. And it's like, you're, you're not getting that from Amazon. Sure. Amazon might sell you some shit for cheaper, but they're, they're not going to go the extra mile for you. So it is like, the camera shop yeah, they're isn't not going to take care of you if there's an issue. They're not going to, I mean, it's just, it's an impersonal service, but you, that's what, you know, you get what you pay for. Yeah. And if you cheat, that's what you get. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the, 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 the personal service that I think that's something I strive to. Um, and I've had people say, oh, you should just get an assistant to do all of that stuff for you. And I'm like, no, because then that, that, that part of, what I do is I communicate with the, the client. Yep. You know, I build that relationship. Yeah. Um, I don't just pass it off to, you know, Steve over there. Who, <laughs> Steve and Chipping. Who acts as a proxy <laughs> for me. You know? I feel like did, your volume went down or something. It was loud. Yeah, yours went up. I didn't touch anything. Weird. Yeah, no worries. I don't know what happened. It's all right. I can still hear you. It just went down for a second. Okay. No worries. Um. What were you saying? Yeah. Yeah. Cause like that's the interesting thing about your business. Cause like you have a large social media following and you feel like people, they want to have that interaction with you because they've been following you on Instagram. They see your YouTube videos. So they, yeah. they want this personal relationship with you because yeah. like the people that are coming to you, they love film cameras and things like that. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a big part of it. Um, and you know, there are people, yeah, there's a lot of people who say, you know, I found you online. I found you know, and it's kind of weird sometimes, you know, I've been to events, I've done, you know, talks and things and people are coming up to you and shaking your hand and like, oh my God, it's you. And it's like, yeah, dude, just a normal guy. Yeah. I think <laughs> what last week when we talked, uh, I think you, you met Ray Barbie or something. He, he came up to you and was like, wow, man, I'm so pumped to meet you, dude. Anybody yeah. listening, Ray Barbie been on the podcast, legendary skateboarder. That must have been like a pretty cool experience. Oh, dude. Ray Barbie was like uh, a mentor in, in some ways, you know, he was, he was uh, somebody I aspired to be when I was a kid. Yep. I was, you know, ice skating and I, I was watching him and people like him and Mike Vallely and, and, and Rocco and all of these guys, right. And Gonzo and, and Ed Templeton. And, you know, these were my heroes and I was skating every day. I was mad into it. I was absolutely bonkers. And then, you know, I find years later, I'm in Japan, I find his, uh, you know, find out he's a photographer on Instagram. And I'm like, cool. And then he, you know, I get a message from him saying, hey, I'm in Tokyo. Want to hang out? Wow. And I'm just like, what? Oh, <laughs> what? And I was all fan, fan girly. You know, I'm like, Ooh. So it's, what was Pal Torelto like? <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, that was what it was for me. It was because, <laughs> you know, for me growing up as this kid in the middle of the countryside in the UK and skateboarding every day on a street, on a, on a you know, curb that I basically built myself. Hmm. Nobody else to skate with. Maybe once a week I could go into town and skate with other people. Maybe. Hmm. You know? so where, where, in, and, where in England did you grow up? Um, outside of Oxford in the countryside. Okay. And 
so you know watching the videos the power videos and, and the santa cruz videos and all of this sort of stuff you know and seeing him do tricks in california it was like whoa whoa yeah because like how how do you even get into skateboarding out way out there like in the countryside of like outside of oxford i mean i i'd seen it on tv and i wanted to do it so i've gone into town and i found a place that sold a skateboard and i bought one and it turns out that they were a dealer for death box which was a, a skate company out of the uk yeah um and you know so they had all of their pro riders and they would come to the local town because they knew some guys there and there was a like a really sketchy ramp that yeah. somebody had knocked up which was exposed nails and all sorts of shit you know <laughs> and, and and it was just sepsis waiting to happen you know yeah. but um yeah we would uh i i got into it from quite an early age from about 12 years old meeting these guys you know so when ray came to, to tokyo and i found out he's a photographer and i'm just you know i was blown away to meet him but he was like, no, no, it's so cool to meet you because he's just such a nice guy, mm-hmm. you know? And, and we hung out for a bit and we talked cameras and photography and skateboarding and music because you know, he's a yeah. musician, he's a great musician. Yeah. And, and that was, now I've, I've met some very, very, very famous people doing this job, you know? Um, but for me, that, that was like, he, people like Ray were like, that, that's my... Hollywood style, you know? Yeah, that is, it is cool, man. Like this starting this thing. Cause like when you started Japan camera hunter, like what was your goal, man? Like, and, and was it always from the get go? Was it like a business from the beginning or like, what was kind of your goal with doing this? So when I started it, I started it from my house. Um, and I just quit a job working for a photography supply company, which I had all the contacts to do this job. Yeah. from but i did it because i wanted to spend my time taking pictures and you know not really doing much else so this could pay for it and i hadn't really figured out a plan yeah you know i was just going and buying and selling cameras and then spending the rest of my time just taking pictures yeah uh for myself which was great but then i uh, had to I, you know realize that wait i I can make some money doing this. I can actually make this a, a, a living wage. Um, so I started to get a bit more serious about it and, and you know, um, put more effort into it, less into photography, more into the camera sourcing, realized I needed a website. So, you know, had all of that stuff done. Um, and at that point, just shortly after that, uh, uh, my wife announced she was pregnant <laughs> and I was like, okay, I need to, um, I need to actually, you know, apply myself now, get some elbow grease going. Hell yeah. Responsibilities are coming thick and fast. So yeah. Um, I actually started to take it a whole lot more seriously, which unfortunately left to, you know, less time for photography, but that, yeah. that's the way it goes. I mean, I still take pictures, not as much as I would want to, yeah. but um, I'm, just happy to be able to work in something that I love, you know, and not be told what to do, not beholden to somebody else. Yeah. Cause, like, cause that's what I've always been. Yeah. So yeah. I have that freedom. Yeah. It's like building your own thing. It's like, yeah, it's a, 
it's a blessing and it can be tough sometimes like times where now it's tough but like I love doing it myself yeah. like even with this podcast I've been doing it three years now and it's like this I'm sure you with yourself I'm sure you're surprised like where your your own stuff has gone and where it's kind of grown and it's like oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. I mean it, it blows me away to see what it is you know um what it's become I never thought it would be it just sort of naturally evolved that way mm-hmm. um i mean i didn't have these grand plans i'm not one of these five ten-year planner kind of dudes um, <laughs> uh i know guys are and they have these you know big ideas of what they want to achieve this year vision board. I, you, you mean you don't got a vision board bellamy <laughs> uh, i don't even know what a vision board is <laughs> I've, I've, i'm much more of a sort of take it as it comes yeah. and just um just enjoy myself doing things, making, making things or selling things or doing things that I would want to have. Yeah. You know, so. how, how do you kind of first like get into photography? Like when you first picked up a camera, like what kind of stuff were you photographing? Like, I mean, yeah. Yeah. I was, I was, I've, I've said it before. I was a kid, man. I was like 13, 12, 13 years old. And I stole my dad's Minolta, which I still have. I made a video about recently. Yeah. Um, and I just went and took photos of everything. My friends skating, um, going fishing cause I lived by a river. So we'd go fishing a lot. Yeah. Uh, uh, I did a lot of experiments with, uh, stacking filters and, and, you know, uh, lunar photography and infrared photography and, and all sorts of stuff, just tons and tons of stuff because it was cheap. Um, it was easy to do. Developing was cheap. It was fast. It was, you know, it was back in the early nineties. Did you ever shoot? Um, I don't know if you saw it. Slap magazine back in like early two thousands. They did a whole article about it was uh, infrared slide film. Kodak made it. I ended up buying some. It was a color infrared film uh, slide film, though. I forget what the name of it was, but it was really cool. Did you ever mess with that film at all? You mean? Uh... Not aerochrome. Aerochrome was the stuff that changed the um, uh, changed the colorway, so it was just sort of purple tinge for everything that was. Yeah. Um, no, I, I don't know. I don't know exactly. I'll look it up. I'll send it to you. But yeah, like Joe yeah. Brook, I think for who shot. I'll send you the article. I still got the mag on slap. But yeah, I ended up buying roll. It was like even back early two thousands for one roll of this, it was thirty five millimeter color, and it was like forty dollars a roll, dude, back then. <laughs> Yeah, it was like it was like I don't even know what they used it for really, but it's like, that would be some aerial thing or or some military application or or planning application or something like that. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it was interesting to see them. Yeah, skating. I got them. I got to messing around with all of that. Um, you know, uh, really huge grain stuff like long exposures. And, yeah, and and I had a blast. I really just found myself mm-hmm. loving, but. I found myself loving the photography and the process, but I also was really enamored with the way the gear worked yep. and the way it was put together and the way it uh, fitted together and the way that it needed to be kept clean in such a way that was really appealing to me. I think, you know, um, I, I have a fascination with, you know, micro engineering, things like that. So that, I mean, I'm not going to say that I understand it. I don't. I'm not a micro engineer, but I like the way 
small uh, pieces of mechanical engineering work together. Yeah. I find that really appealing. Yeah, um, definitely. Yeah. Cause like, yeah, there is some, I was, I broke out my Hasselblad. You kind of inspired me setting up for this interview. I ended up buying 10 rolls of film. I hadn't busted out my <laughs> Hasselblad in like four years. And I was like, started looking at like, you've been doing the cool thing with YouTube where you do, what's the one where you, uh, it's like presenting and you'll show. Gosh, like, kind of videos. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's like a new thing you've been doing the last few months and it's been great. But yeah, like you said, like those, I mean, I got the new Canon SLR digital or stuff and it's, it's great camera. I love it, but it doesn't have that like, this the old feel of the house blood taking off the back and like putting putting the viewfinder on it's just not, it's not the same thing. thing it was really it, it it fulfills a sort of teenage fantasy perhaps of you know putting your putting everything together getting ready for the fight scene or whatever <laughs> yeah you know man. um yeah tooling up and all of that um yeah. but that was really appealing to me um but you know, and that led me to, to go on and, and study photography more. Okay, so you ended up going to like uh, college for... Yeah, I, I took photography at college. And then bizarrely, I should have taken photography at university and I decided not to because of my interest in, you know, uh, small, beautifully made things. I decided to go and do jewelry and silversmithing. So I'm a, I'm a trained silversmith. Wow. <laughs> Yeah, for yeah. people, what like what? Yeah, what does a silversmith do? Like, what, what what kind of what kind of job would people do it nowadays with that? What kind of stuff? Um, well, if you have come out fresh out of college, you'll go and work for somebody. So you will go and be a jobbing jeweler, which means you just basically make chain links all day or or something like that. You know, repetitive, very repetitive work. If you are good enough, and if you are established with customers or you know, you have a reputation, you can be your own jeweler. Yeah. Or if you have a good enough, a, a special technique, an appealing design, something, you can become your own jeweler and make jewelry to order. Um, I mean, if you're really good enough or if you went to the right university and your father's a pop star, you can go and design for Asprey or something, you know. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> but the rest of us mere mortals have to work our way. <laughs> the top what uh like because you're going through that program like when did you realize you didn't want to do that like was it like when early? i started working as a jobbing jeweler yeah um and i was making uh cufflinks and i was making i was basically soldering the uh the the link to the base plate for like hundreds a day and i was bored out of my mind yeah. And I said I wanted to change and the boss got really huffy with me and, and sent me off to upstairs. He said, punishment, I had to go to the polishing room and I had to polish jewelry all sodding day, which Jeez. was even worse. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you get just covered in the stuff and if you're not careful, you can take your fingers off. And, and, and I looked down and my hands were just burns and cuts and, and I was making under minimum wage. <laughs> at the time right and i was like no nah, i'm not doing this this is ridiculous you know this no nah, i can't do because they as far as the jewelry trade was concerned they were like oh you went to university that's absolutely useless we don't care yeah <laughs> um so i decided not to do that and i decided back then to start focusing on the photography again yeah 
and I was taking pictures of people's jewelry for them and I was taking pictures of people's bands for them and and as just part-time gigs but it was never enough to get paid a full-time wage yeah you know so I weighed tables I did whatever it took you know did you want to like shoot full-time and like do commercial work like a lot of people did or no no I didn't have the work ethic at the time no, I'll be legit. I, I I didn't have the drive. There wasn't there wasn't social media. There wasn't anything like that. So yeah. there was no uh, societal pressure to be that. You know, I knew people in the industry, and I'd had my portfolio assessed, and they said, "Hey, you know, you want to come to the studio and be an assistant?" Because that's how you got to be a photographer in those days. You went and you were an assistant to a well-known established photographer. And after doing that for five years, you got your own chance. Yeah. And I was offered a couple of spots in London. And just as I was about to take up one of the spots, uh, decided to up sticks and just go traveling. All right. <laughs> oh no, I should do this now before I can never do it. Yeah. And I said, Oh yeah, I'll be back in a year. Never went back. Where'd you end up traveling to? Here, Japan. I ended up here. I never left. What made you like? You never been here before. Prior to that, what kind of? No, no. Um, I was traveling around Asia um, and working in Australia, New Zealand, and working. And then somebody said, "Come to Japan. It's you know you can teach English. It's pretty easy money. Then you can save enough to go on to the next stage." And I was like, "Yeah, I can make a," because at that point I was broke. You know, just broke nothing. And I was like, yeah, I could do with earning a few grand and then go back to the UK and, you know, instead of just turning up with nothing, like, hi, parents. <laughs> um, and, yeah, so I came here with the intention of staying a year and it ended up, it's been 15. What about, like, what do you remember about your first trip out there? And, like, what, what do you think has kind of kept you there? Like, what do you like about well, this? The there journey? is no first trip out there. I mean, the first one, trip yeah. I came, I, I stayed. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I've, obviously, I've been and gone since. Yeah, but man. I've never not stayed here. Got it. Um, so, it to me, it was just completely different to everything. Because I'd lived in all sorts of countries, but they were all very westernized. And this was the first um, big Asian city that I had lived in that was like really, uh, you know, a first world country, uh, first world city, you know, a megapolis or a metropolis, you know, it was huge and it was efficient and it was expensive and clean. And um, um, at the time it was, you know, it was very exciting because it was new. Yeah. Uh, and there was all those Japanese cliches, you know, it was like, oh my goodness, you know, is Godzilla going to come? And, and, but more than that, I mean, it was just, I found an appealing similarity um, because it was, it was very clearly Asian. It was very clearly not Western, uh, particularly in the, the, the way the culture was, but there were a lot of similarities to British uh, sort of mannerisms, culture, manners history similarities it's the island thinking shimaguni yeah you know and uh, that to me i was like yeah that, it's easy for me to be here easier perhaps i don't know and what, what was like the photography scene like when you first got there because like 
looking at some of your YouTube videos you've done with some other YouTubers and different things. And I love these videos. Uh, I'll try to link them when I post this. You like go on these tours to the, these camera shops where they like, it's like going to a grocery store and they got like film and it's like these huge fridges and it's just like- uh, A lot of those places are closed now. Yeah, that's what I figured. Yeah. But, but when you first got there, we're like, what was the kind of the camera? Oh, it was insane. It was absolutely mental. But at the time, when I first arrived, I had a camera. I didn't have any money. So I wasn't really interested in going and buying cameras. It was really very much on the periphery. Yeah. Um, I, I knew I could get film, so I'd just buy film. But I wasn't that, I wasn't infected with the geekiness at that point. I was just going out, taking pictures working, making as much money as I could, um, you know, and just enjoying Japan. And then after a couple of years here, then I started going, hey, well, you know, what's this? Oh, my goodness, things are cheap here. Oh, my goodness, there's tons of it, you know? Yeah. So, and I think, yeah. I, th I think I read somewhere you ended up working for like like a Japanese camera yeah. company or something. Yeah. Um, yeah. What, what did they make? And like, first off, like... So they didn't make anything. Well, not anymore, they didn't. Um, they were a distributor for a lot of Western brands. Um, a lot of very famous Western brands, Domke amongst others, right? Great and so they were a distributor, but they initially started as a camera store. And so they had a camera store that sold you know, the best, it was, they called themselves the best of the world's cameras, you know, and they really did have amazing stuff. Yep. And then as the company got older, they had to diversify. So they set up a thing called the studio shop where they are a professional studio supply uh, store. So they'll sell you everything from bags of sand to weigh down your lighting systems, to backdrops, to, to uh, smoke machines, to glitter spray, to a full camera system and lens system, a full Hasselblad or a phase one or wow. yeah, everything, everything. You need an ASO monitor. Yeah. You need um, um, the steady cam systems. They sell those, you know, and so they had that store. So they initially started working in that store as a part timer for like 10 bucks an hour, sweeping the floor and, cleaning the trash out doing was, that like a hard, was that like a hard thing to get your foot in the door being like you're from yeah. england you're in yeah, japan yeah, like yeah so i, I had know. to be i had to swallow a lot of humble pie which is why i was sweeping floors i did an apprenticeship you know i i had to prove myself to them and which was hard because i was like in my early 30s you know i'm like and I'm very Western, very British. I'm like, why do I have to do this? But no, you have to do this. This is what you do. And so I, you know, knuckled down and got on with it. Um, and I learned Japanese on the job because my Japanese is terrible. Damn. Um, and it was hard. It was very, very, very hard. But after a while, I proved myself and I got moved into a different section there where I could help liaise between the Western companies and the Japanese companies yeah. and help them with marketing and new products and sales and look after people who came here to visit and all sorts of things. So yeah, it was a really good company to work for. You feel like working there, like you kind of learn anything that you've been able to apply to like running yeah. your own business. So much. so much. It was invaluable. Uh, I learned a work ethic 
you know, you reply to everybody, even if you can't help them, you still reply. Yeah. So, um, you make sure you do things properly and you do them efficiently and quickly. Uh, if you can't do something, you make sure you tell that person that you can't do it instead of just fobbing them off or something, you know, um, there were certain, they were very, very strict in the office that I worked in and I had to abide by certain rules, adhere to certain rules. And because of that, that helped me apply that to when I started my business. Yeah. You know, um, and I think the quick response thing was a big one because my boss, when I worked for that company, he was like, he would check my mail. He would go into my computer and he'd check my mail. And he would, if there was an unresponded mail at any time, he would be like, why haven't you replied to this? You know, it's 11 p.m. at night. Why haven't you replied to this? Yeah, so you read like they say the Japanese work ethic is like harder than like pretty much anywhere. Yeah, I mean, he was being extra tough on me because he wanted to drum it into me. Yeah, he wanted me to learn. He didn't understand the boundaries of a social life, but he said, "This first, you know, this this training stage, you don't have a life." Yeah, and it was like, yeah, fair enough. You know, and especially I mean, you know, this the same thing with me, like running your own business the clock's never off it's like yeah. you're working so that, Saturday, you're working sunday and sure. yeah because like so that really helped when i started the business because you can't be off when you're running your own business so i was able to you know do it uh, be online be up ready to answer whenever possible i mean now i've been doing this for 10 years i take weekends off yeah. you mail me on a weekend i'm sorry man you know? weekends, we'll give you the weekends bell me <laughs> yeah uh, but other than that you know you you try and be on it yeah um, for, sure, for sure i mean i look at like some people show their phones like hey man look check it out nine thousand you know nine hundred ninety nine unread messages and it just creeps <laughs> me the hell out like oh my god no <laughs> like that's opportunity yeah. that's opportunity waiting right there yeah um, right what what were kind of like some of the first cameras once you kind of started taking like uh, Japan Camera Hunter uh, seriously? Um, what were kind of some of the first cameras you were selling? Did you kind of have like a niche you were trying to stick within? Um, no, uh, it was opportunity, whatever was available, um, whatever I knew was popular. But I had an arrangement with a company um, in Europe where I would supply them with uh, Nikon lenses because they needed them for making movies and stuff. And so uh, initially my specialism was Nikon, rare Nikon lenses, or just certain particular Nikon lenses, which I'd go and find, you know, 50 copies of. Yeah. Um, and that helped me to build the business with a stable base so that then I could start looking for other stuff for people. Uh, and initially I would go out and just buy whatever I could find that I thought would sell, you know, and, and sell it on. But then I was like, this is too risky. It's kind of hit and miss. And, you know, I've got some stuff here, which is sitting on the shelf for like two well, yeah, a year. <laughs> I can't afford that because I had very little money. Yeah. So I realized as I'm operating with barely any capital, it would be much more sensible to have people ask me to get stuff for them. Mm-hmm. You know, and and because I knew the cameras, I knew the town, I, I knew the camera sellers, I could immediately say what was available or not. You know, and if somebody said, hey, man, can you get me a, you know, Ricoh GR1? Yeah, sure. Easy peasy. And like how 
how are you finding like your clients early on? Like, has it always been like social media from the jump or your website or like how did the, so my know? website was initially how people found me. Um, and Flickr, bizarrely, oh, yeah, Flickr, Flickr. big one. Um, and then it started to become social media with, you know, initially Twitter and, and then Instagram. Um, a lot of customers would find me uh, through those, but initially it was word of mouth. Mm-hmm. You know, I did not have a lot of customers and, you know, um, yeah, the first couple of years it was hard. It was hard work. It wasn't until I, you know, sort of became a bit more established that it became easier. And then I'm sure you start to get like repeat customers the longer you do it. Sure. I mean, I've still got customers, which I had from 10 years ago, yeah. you know, who still come back, uh, which is cool. We've got a, you know, we've built a relationship and it's nice to see them back. And I'll always, you know, I make sure that they I can uh, do as much as I can for them. Um, but yeah, there's, it, it's been, it's been nice to see that sort of support. Yeah, definitely, man. And like, what's like the culture with like, like film cameras and film photography in Japan? Like, is it like, is it popular there? Because that's one thing I was interested, obviously, a lot of your businesses in the US, but I'm sure you sell to other countries. Can you get a read on like where it's more popular than other in certain countries? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, At the moment, you know, Japan has, has had a strong and steady support for film it, there's been a bit of a boom recently with young ladies using disposable cameras that's been really kind of a buzz thing um but there's still quite a strong film photography presence you can still buy it in a lot of places there's a lot of small independent galleries that are showing there's rental dark rooms really and you know and there's new camera stores opening um which is weird because there's also very famous established camera stores closing Nikon yeah. house being a big one like last week or the week before and that's been there for 40 years yeah. you know? um, and now you've but you've got new stores opening um it has changed but because of the way I, i've seen where things are trending uh thailand bangkok has got a really hard tr- trending film photography scene right now. There's loads of labs opening, camera shops, Jakarta as well. Um, oh. Seeing like a, Hong Kong has always had a strong following, always, but uh, the new ones are definitely uh, Bangkok and Jakarta. What do you think that is? Because like, it's, re- it's been interesting to see, because like, I, I mean, I grew up shooting film for like 15 years. I like, I haven't shot a lot in the last five, but it, it's interesting to see the cameras. Like I have a, a Hasselblad 501 CM, I bought it yeah. brand brand new uh, my senior year in high school, which was like 2003. And it, it almost sells for the same price that I bought it for like 20 years ago. Yeah. Man, it's crazy. Well, I mean, yeah, that's how it's getting now. Um, you're definitely seeing an increase in disposable income in, in Thailand and, and Indonesia, yeah. uh, particularly amongst the middle class, right? And so they are finding outlets to to spend their money on and and a popular one is film photography um it's a luxury perhaps a little bit um but it has become as you've seen the increase in 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 disposable income there you uh you're seeing an increase in film shooting yeah um i I wouldn't know the exact reason why but yeah i would assume it's yeah certainly that 
I know like looking at Instagram, a lot of like celebrities and stuff, I'm sure you've seen this, like they all start shooting with like the, like the, like the T2s and T3s and you'll see it on their Instagram. They'll be like shot on film. And it's, uh, it's kind of interesting to see, I guess, like, uh, I was interested to get your take on that. Like, do you think it's a good thing for film community to like see these like celebrities and influencers, quote unquote? Really? Um, because I mean, and I'm partially guilty because I've sold some of those cameras to them. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but, um, it's good because it raises the profile of film photography mm-hmm. and that's that can only be a great thing it's bad because it also raises the profile of the particular camera that they're holding and all of a sudden everybody wants one and the prices go completely bonkers yeah uh case in point t2 and t3 which are now selling for like two thousand bucks yeah that's fucking crazy dude i was looking at ebay i was like anybody buying it? i mean it has it's a great camera but if you're buying it for two grand you got your fucking mind dude <laughs> <laughs> but well people will buy them from that you know this yeah. is the thing. there are people out there that will buy them um you know uh i don't source them anymore i only sell them if i get them on consignment just because you get too many people asking for them yeah and sadly a lot of people who are asking for them don't really realize how old these cameras are you know so they're thinking they're going to get something that's going to last them 10 years and it's not it's just not yep. you know um so it, I'd rather not have the hassle, but no, I, I'm, I think that it's great that there are, um, you know, celebrities out there who are showing that they are doing something like this, a different pro- medium for presenting their creativity. Yeah. And it only helps uh, raise the profile of film photography. So yeah, and just keep the keep keep uh, Kodak and Fuji and these companies producing film, man. Because like some yeah. of my favorite films are gone. I used to love uh, I shoot skating a lot. I shoot Kodak E one hundred VS. It was like a super yeah. super VS. saturated like slide film, and like it was, I love that film, but it's no longer. Yeah, I, I liked the um, I liked the VC films yeah. as well. I was a big fan of those. Um, I miss slide film, man. I, I miss love slide film, man. Anybody, first time I ever saw my first uh, four by five slide, man, that was an experience. It's just like yeah, there's nothing it like it. And when the exposure is like tack sharp and the colors yeah. are perfect, there's nothing like it. Yeah, it's it. You're holding, you know, this little piece of time in your hands. It's amazing. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I mean, there is slide film available, but compared to what it was, you know, it kind of bums you out a little bit. Um, but yeah, I miss, I miss a lot of, a lot of emotions. Yeah, man. And I saw some video somewhere online of you and it was a couple of years ago and you were talking about like, I don't know if you're working with some engineers or something, but actually about like designing a new compact camera is, is that that something that you're still working on or what's your thoughts with that? Yeah. So we worked on it. Um, and I put quite a bit of my own money into it. Um, and it's a viable idea, um, but it has to be done properly. Yeah. To do it properly would take a very large amount of investment. And I, I don't think people really get quite how large it would be. Yeah. It would be an enormous amount of money. You would literally have to build a new facility yeah. for it. Right and train all of the people, but then also make sure you have a 10 year aftercare staff. It 
warranties. Yeah, it's a lot. All of this sort of thing. And it can be done and it could also be done profitably. But um, we had difficulty at the time interacting investors. And then when COVID came along, it, we just, we were like, yeah, this, we're going to have to put this away for a have, while. Have you like had, being that you're such a, like a, I don't know, say not spokesperson, but like you're out there, you're, you're talking about film photography and cameras. That's what you do. Like, have you had conversations with the, any of these like camp, bigger camera manufacturers? It's like, is that something you, you've had at all? Like, do you think there's any way that like, they'd start like producing film cameras again? Um, it's difficult. Um, I'm not allowed to say something. <laughs> okay, okay. Um, um, so, I, I mean, I've spoken with some. Um, and whilst interest was expressed on a, and excitement was expressed on a management level, mm -hmm. on a shareholder level, the enthusiasm was less yeah. there because they want the profit right now. We're not, we don't, we don't want a 10 year plan, which might make us some money. You show us the money now. Yeah. You know? And so as always, the, the shareholders are most vocal and they're not going to let them do something which they see could, because they don't have the information that, that it could just not be a, a successful venture. Mm as far as they're concerned, you know, yeah. why are we digging into this dinosaur technology? Yeah. Like because it lots of money, but okay. You know? Um, so that has been interesting. I was trying to think, does, does like, does like, are they still, manu are they manufacturing any film cameras? Yeah. Still? They are, yeah. Okay. I was trying to think what camera, I know how they stopped making the V series, what, like five years ago or something like that. Yeah. The MA, is still made by Leica and the MP officially is still made. Yep. Um, Nikon still made the F6. Canon, I can't remember if Canon make one. I don't think they do the US or something. I'm not sure. Um, yeah. But it's quite limited. Yep. The technology, the, the um, manufacturing capabilities are still there. Yeah. Not just in Japan as well. They're still available in Europe. Um, but nobody is really prepared to put the money into it. Yeah. The produce, and, and I can see yeah. right, why right now, you know? <laughs> yeah, definitely right now. Yeah. It's tough. Like you're trying to produce something at scale. It's a tough thing. Like, cause uh, you got, and it is at scale. Yeah. It's not, this isn't a Kickstarter. Yeah. You know, people are like, why don't you just Kickstarter it? Because you will get maybe 10% of the money you actually need to do this. Yeah. You know, um, it, it, it has to be on a scale that you can sell 20,000, 40,000, 50,000 units yep. at least, at least. Yeah. yeah. That's For a sure. lot. Yeah, no yeah. doubt. And what are kind of like some of the popular cameras you're like, people are asking for you now, like what's, what, what are you kind of selling most or what are kind of most of your inquiries these days? I mean, nowadays it's always the Leica stuff. Um, and Hasselblad, lots and lots of Hasselblad, Machina, Nikon F3s, Nikon X, Nikon, 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 Nikon. Um, people want the really nice ones. Yeah. You know, get themselves something really, really special. Um, there's a bit of a thing for uh, 
rangefinders, Nikon rangefinders at the moment. Um, they're sort of particularly the black paint stuff. That's becoming a really sort of boom area for, for high-end collectors, I think, because you're looking at $50,000 for a, a, a classic Leica M3 black paint something now, you know, 50 or more. Grand. 50 or grand. more. Yeah, yeah. it's become out of reach for most people. Yeah. So obviously they've transferred their interest to things that they can actually still buy. Hmm. You so, know? Like a lot, so like you said, collectors. So some of your clientele, they're just like, they're not actually shooting with these cameras. It's just kind of a collectible. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, a lot of, majority of my clients are shooters. Got it. Um, but there are some people who buy, and we're talking very, very, very expensive cameras and yeah they put their they are part of their collection you know they consider themselves uh to be historical collectors and and timekeeping for these important pieces and is there like a, a different like approach to ser- sorting uh, searching for cameras for a collector versus shooter is the collector looking for something that's like in mint mint condition or is it what's no, the difference no, it doesn't have to be in mint mint condition i mean it, it's more they're more interested in either the provenance or um the the particular model the rarity of that particular item you know so it doesn't matter what condition it's in there's only three of them yeah you know? <laughs> i don't care if it looks like it's been through a hedge backwards doesn't matter just I need it, you know? Yeah. Um, and it, there's something really cool about reuniting pieces, you know, when you see something has gone to a collection where it's reunited with things that it came out of the factory with, yeah. like 50, 60 years ago. That's, that's cool. That's a really good feeling. Because what kind of stuff gets you excited? Like, what, what, what kind of gets you excited? Is there certain stuff you like looking for, uh, searching for? What's kind of got you like uh, excited right now, I guess? Um, it's not much that's getting me excited right yeah, now. Right there. I'm, trying to, to I'm trying to pump you up over here, Bellamy. <laughs> uh, it's not going to work, man. Uh, hey, look, I'm British. We don't do pumped up. Doom and gloom. <laughs> yeah, we do stiff up a lip. Uh, um. Yeah, I mean, at the moment, there's not a lot of stuff. Uh, I am, I've got a couple of things that have come in which are really kind of very cool. Um, an old Fujinon 50mm uh, 1.2 lens that's rare. I've got an M2 black paint coming today, which wow. is very cool. Uh, and and that, you know, there's some nice things. Uh, in the past, it's been finding that you know, rare Nikon lens, they only made 300 and each one was blessed by a monk before it left the factory. And, you know, I found that. I found a lot of the grail items, you know? Yeah. And it was kind of funny because several of the famous grail items that have been online, which have been sold by auctions, where they've taken all of the credit for it. No, nah, man, that was me. I found them. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but as soon as they get them, they just go, yeah, we did all of this. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah for okay. sure. Sure you did. <laughs> and I, I've really been enjoying the new series, the camera geekery thing you've been doing. It seems like you guys have been getting more active on YouTube as of late. Um, like you did one on your personal camera, which I believe is what MP6. Um, yeah. Maybe you could talk a little bit about that camera. Like what was what made it so special for you? Because I think 
I believe what was it? They only made like three hundred of them or something, right? Yeah, yeah. That's that's my MP6. Uh, I put it away. I was going to grab it. Um, yeah, they only made well. They know, don't know exactly the number that was made. It was never officially released. It was meant to be 300 yeah, or possibly 400 pieces. I can't exactly remember, but um, they never released how many were actually made. They were made in two separate batches. So there's very subtle differences between the two versions. Mm-hmm. Um, mine is a first version. And then there's the, the later version, which had the MPISO dial on the back. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I bought it for myself when I'd started the business. Like when I made the first really successful sort of yeah. few months. Yeah. I'm going to buy myself the camera I've wanted. You know, and I remember looking at it and thinking, I'm going to buy this. No, I shouldn't. I shouldn't waste my money. And I asked my wife and she was like, don't be silly. Buy it. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. good, man. That's a good wife, man. She got your back. Yeah, she had my back. And, and then um, I just kept it and I used it. I bought it. It was effectively new. Um, box, everything. And, but I started using it and everybody was like, why are you using that, man? You know, <laughs> like, no, it's a collector's item. I'm like, ah, it's my camera. This is my camera. I don't, I don't care. That's what, this meant, is my- that's what it's meant for. The cameras are meant to use, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So now it's worth quite a lot of money (laughs) and way more than I paid for it. Way, way more than I paid for it, but don't care. It's not for sale. It's mine. Yeah. Uh, And how's kind of been your response to the camera geekery thing? Because the thing I truly enjoy about it more than anything is this like, your knowledge of like the history of the cameras is like impressive. Like you were like talking about Bronica and like the owners and all this stuff. Like, I guess like what's been your approach to that kind of video series you've been doing? I just wanted to share with people the way I think about and look at cameras, I guess. Um, and the response has been really good. I mean, it, the, the channel's grown hugely in just the space of a few months. Yeah. Um, it's kind of blown me away because this is the second foray into video. The first one was an abject failure. <laughs> Why is that you think? A few years ago, I just wasn't really comfortable doing it. And I wasn't presenting in a format that I was comfortable with. Yeah. So, I was the um, same. I was the same way with this, man. I just started doing the video ones like in the last like five months or something. Cause I, I felt the same way, but then over a while, it's like, whatever, man, fuck it. I'm just going to talk about whatever I want. And like, well, this is it. You find your, um, you find your footing. And so when the pandemic struck, we were like, we've got nothing to do. What are we going to do? <laughs> yeah. And I still had this YouTube channel, which had no videos on it and still was gaining. And I got a thing saying, you've got a new follower. And I'm like, why? why are you following this account? There's nothing on here. You know? And then I thought, well, yeah, maybe there should be. Why not? And I decided to approach the videos in a different way. And, and so it wasn't about me. It was about the video. It was about the camera. And I could just tell people the way I saw these things and thought about these things and the way th- those memories and those anecdotes were triggered for me. Yeah. I mean, yeah, we do have to write it down because you can't just ad lib it. It's 
yeah. it's a mess. Um, I do stutter quite a bit or stammer perhaps. Um, I say um a lot as well. <laughs> All right. Everybody's got that habit. <laughs> so, yeah, I had to sort of train myself and I've become more confident and comfortable doing them as I've been doing them. I think it's just like, it's like fun, man, because like uh, photography is weird. Like, like when you start off, you do it because you enjoy it and it's fun. And then once you try to make it your living, it sometimes can like, it can lose the fun in a sense sometimes. But for me, like just looking at the videos you've been making, it just kind of brings me back to like my early days of photography. Like, like the first time you see a Hasselblad or the first time, like remember the first time I held like a, like a range finder and it was just like such a fun experience. And like, yeah. And it so, just like opened my eyes. Like I never, I never knew what the Makina plowable, like I'd never even heard of that camera before you posted it. So yeah, I wanted people to get that sense of, perhaps wonder and joy that I got mm -hmm. when I found out about these things for the first time. I remember, you know, when I first started this business, one guy said to me, he owned a camera store. He said, trust me in 10 years, you'll be sick of cameras. You want to want to touch one. And I was like, it's never going to be me, mate. Never. You may hate your job. I love mine. It's been 10 years. Still love it. Yeah. Still love my job. And I still get excited when I get something new or different or weird come in, if I see something cool, I still get that. And I wanted to convey that in the videos to people that I have this perhaps, uh, you know, um, yeah, pretty intense sort of reaction to, to yeah. gear that perhaps other people don't have. And this uh, stuff, the history, like I said, the history, like this, like that, those interesting little stories, like I mean, in one yeah. of the videos uh, on YouTube, you knew that the, I think it was the, the contacts T2 or something that in Japan, they made the, 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 uh, the battery, uh, the yeah. they made the, it the size of the coin or something. The battery like that. cover is made, um, and this is for all of the openings and all of the cameras, the battery cover is designed to, to fit the five yen coin because everybody's got one in their pocket. Yeah. So you'll always be able to get it undone. You didn't have to fiddle around with anything. You didn't have to try and get a fingernail in and break it. Everybody's got a five yen coin in their pocket. There yeah. you go. No, I, I love that shit, man. Just like the history and just those little like details. It's just like really, it's, it's amazing. Um, and for people like, like why, why should they come to you uh, like, what do you bring to the table for if someone's searching for a camera versus going on eBay or one of these like Facebook marketplace? Like, what is it that you do better than like uh, all these other options? I guess you think. Um, I mean, so my system, what I offer is, is a bit different from what eBay and places like that offer. You know, you, you sort of take your chances in, uh, I think it can be a bit of a crapshoot with those places. I offer, um, sort of more personal care. I'm going to make sure you get the right item. I'm going to make sure that you're happy with your purchase. Uh, if there is an issue, I'm going to make sure it's taken care of because I want to see you come back and buy something else. Yeah. You know, so I'm going to offer you accurate descriptions because cameras can't be mint, 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 plus, 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 plus. That doesn't exist. Yeah, mint yeah. plus doesn't <laughs> exist. Mint plus plus doesn't, none of those exist, yeah. right? It's not a thing. Yeah. Um, so I try and offer, um, you know, honest descriptions with items that I have checked 
in many cases will come with warranty. In many cases have been CLA'd or overhauled or checked by the manufacturer. Um, you know, we make sure that we, you, are, you have a good experience and you do pay for it. It's, it's perhaps more expensive in some cases, but you know, uh, at the end of the day, I want to see you happy with that item and then go, yeah, you know what? I'm going to buy my next one from him too. Yeah, because they can trust you. You're not trying to make a quick buck. You want to sell people something that's actually going to work and like it's it sure. I, I mean, par. and it's something you know. I I take care of my customers. If it doesn't work, we, we make sure that we get it back and get it working for you or change something. We'll we'll always deal with that. You know, yeah. um, that's that's pretty important. Uh, yeah, for customer care, I guess. Yeah, for sure, man. And I saw you're actually making your own film now, the JCH. Uh, well, I think you, it's in partnership with another company or something like that. But like, how? No, no, no. no. Um, it's so um, I have it manufactured for me, mm-hmm. um, but it's all my own design, my own pack. You know, it's all I have it made for me. Interesting. Yeah, what's the? What's like? What's I like don't the process? Have a factory. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> I wish I did, but I don't have a factory. Um, so it's manufactured and packaged for, for me and then I can sell it, market it. Um, yeah, it's been really popular as well. It's been out for like four years now. I think. What's, what's, like the, what's like the process of like manufacturing your own film? Do you kind of like give them an idea of like what films you like and like just test it yeah. out or like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, first of all, you have to have the contacts. You have to be able to go and speak to these places um and then following that it's a case of uh uh, finding out what you want what can still be made what you can still do having the money to do it um having the patience to do it and then coming to the understanding that you're never going to make any money from it <laughs> no you one day, Bellman, man, you're gonna make money, dude. The YouTube, day, dude, you're gonna day, be YouTube I, famous, bro. I tell myself that every single time. I'm like, one next, next, yeah, next time it, yeah. But you do it because you love to do it. Exactly, man. You know, um, and and it's been popular. I mean, it's it's never lost money, but it's never it's never made money, really. Mm-hmm. You know, because it's a case of, um, you know scaling i don't have the funds because i've done this with my own pocket so i don't have the funds to make a batch of you know a million rolls yeah and if i did i could sell the film for super cheap and we could sell a lot you know but i just don't have that kind of so we have to do it on a smaller scale and yeah, yeah but i still felt it was important to do and i yeah. wanted to do it anyway so yeah. And, yeah, uh, and, and it's cool because I get to see the results of people's photographs from all over the world, which is mad. Yeah, and you just put out a new video, I think, with your friend. I think his name is U- Ulysses. Ulysses. Yeah, it's a cool video. Yeah. People should go check it out. It was just kind of him talking about his experience, uh, kind of shooting with the film and stuff. It's kind of yeah, his yeah, yeah. So we we started a new. We've got the Camera Geekery series, right? And we decided to do a, a new series which is going to be a monthly thing and Yuli's going to be or Ulysses is going to be the uh, presenter and uh, we thought, thought for the inaugural one it would be kind of appropriate to do street pan 
you know, but for, for following up videos, we're going to sort of hit as many different, well, he's going to get through as many different films as we can. Um, and, and try and review stuff that's relevant mm-hmm. instead of the same old, yeah, uh, I don't think the world needs another portrait video. <laughs> everybody knows those sick tones, bro. <laughs> Yo, man, I just got presets, man. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we, we're gonna we're gonna sort of build up on that. It looks like fun. Yeah, uh, it got a good reaction. People yeah. liked it. So. Yeah, and the other series you do in your bag uh, is a really cool series where people just kind of photograph their camera bag. Is that this kind of like user submitted or like how does yeah. that? Yeah. So when I first started the site, I very quickly realized that I didn't have enough content. Yeah, man, you need a lot. <laughs> and, and I was like, God, oh, this sucks, man. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm running out of things to do. So I took a photo of my bag, my gear that I had at the time and put it up. And people went, that's cool. So I said, well, you know, what, why don't you send me yours? Yeah. And they did. They started sending them. And now we're on, what number is it? 1600 and yeah, something is anything what was is anything surprised you like some of the people sent over uh yeah man i mean i've seen some hilarious ones <laughs> in uh guys carrying like twenty thousand dollars in a shopping bag <laughs> um you know uh, i've seen some uh really weird creepy ones <laughs> yeah um which we just were like no you can't, can't post that man <laughs> can't post that man um couple of no there's been some really cool ones we've had some famous people we've had uh people who are really high tech serious like professional architectural photographers deep sea divers all sorts of things you know so a whole range of kit and then just regular folks lately we've had to we had we had some um ultra right wing guys submit them you right. know, and I'm like, fuck no, man. But how That's could you even tell? Like, they were, were they, are they now here's my bag, here's my bag, and I love Trump or something. <laughs> they literally had the the fascist logos oh, and the, the stickers and the badges on there, fuck and I'm that. like, nah, yeah. dog, <laughs> that ain't cool, dog. Yeah. <laughs> Send that <laughs> somewhere else, man. <laughs> yeah, just um, no, but for you know, we we had to be selective after a while because people were just like chucking a whole bunch of stuff on the floor and they're taking a photo and going, Hey man, here you go. So, yeah. No, you need to write words. You need to put some effort into this because yeah. if you look at some of the bags, people have featured, they've really put time and effort into them. Yeah. And so, you know, we're a bit more selective now. We do want more bags. If you want to get your bag featured and it doesn't have to be film, it can be digital. It can be a mixture. It can be anything. It can be, eight mil cine whatever but we do want more and we want to see cool interesting funny bags you know yeah you want you want to see people that are like really about it like really yeah. you can tell people yeah. are about photography it's not there's some like oh, thing it's, for it's, sure and yeah. you know yeah i mean some of the ones we featured lately have been really great in that respect you know people you can see people are really passionate about it mm-hmm. you know and we want to share that so hey if you've got a bag you want to submit it in your bag Get it on. I'm, I'm dude. I'm working on Bellamy, man. I'm gonna, I'm gonna come correct, man. I'm gonna, I'm cleaning off my hassy, man. I'm, you're, I'm, you're gonna get an email in a couple of weeks, man. I'm bringing it. Uh, oh yeah, you're gonna have to beat uh, Ming Thane. He did a pretty good one. Uh, I yeah, I've got a lot of cameras, but I, I got, I got some cool ones, man. I'm gonna break them out. Uh, yeah, do it, do it. I guess make sure there's a bag in the picture because there's so many people, right? 
yeah. who, who go, oh, this is in your bag. So here's my entire camera collection, no bag. It's yeah. like, mate, you don't carry that. Yeah. Don't be silly. Come on. Uh, although <laughs> I will say, like, this is probably really bad. Like, honestly, half the time when I'm shooting, I just did it this weekend. I got this, I'll show you. I got this shitty fucking book bag. And I, just, I wrap my Hasselblad in a sweatshirt and I put it in there, dude. Yeah, but nobody's going to steal that then, are they? Yeah, because I don't like all like the, like obviously, yeah, low pro and all those. I, I don't. So, yeah, I mean, I think that's a thing. Perhaps in the West, it isn't really a thing here because people just don't get stuff stolen. But yeah, um, yeah here I walk around with camera bags, yeah. proper camera bags, and I'm not worried. Yeah. You know, but when I go to the UK, yeah, I ain't doing that. People know what's in a Billingham or, you know, they, they, they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So you don't want to make yourself a target if you don't have to. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and I guess to wrap up, man, like, like yeah. obviously, obviously, like crazy times, like business is nuts for anybody just trying to stay afloat. Um, but like any kind of goals for yourself or the stuff you guys are working on over there right now? Yeah, we've got more videos. We're going to improve on those. We're going to keep on building that up um like like comment subscribe right like comment yeah, subscribe like, that's what they say like, comment subscribe and all of that um yeah just come and check them out and if you like them i'm not saying you have to but if you like them come and get get involved you know yeah. get involved fuck yeah and, and we're gonna work on uh, we've got a couple of new projects we can't really talk about because we've got to keep that suspense man well it's not just that i don't want to say anything that we're not sure can actually happen yet. Got it. Learn that from the uh, compact camera thing. (laughs) I like it. I like it, man. I like it. (laughs) Uh, But we're working on stuff and we're just keeping on going, you know, and we're doing our best to keep on going. Um, Got some new packaging for the film coming soon, which will look pretty dope. That's an exclusive for you. You got some sick sick t-shirts too, I noticed. Oh yeah, we've got these dope t-shirts. Yeah. 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 Those are looking good. Um, so, yeah, things are going well. And, I mean, we're going to keep on going. We're not going anywhere. Um, and we'd, I'd encourage everybody, just you know, hang in there. Do your best. Keep on creating. Keep on doing cool things to each other. And just just be good to each other. Yep. Get offline a bit, man. Stay away from the Facebook and stuff and just be cool with each other, you know? Go get outside and go take some pictures. And yeah, go take some pictures. Share your share your work with somebody. Have a chat. Have a conversation. Yeah. Have a conversation. Yeah. You know. Yeah. I, I saw actually one interview. You said I think it was a video. I don't know if it's still true anymore. But you won't show your own photography online. Yeah. Is, that, is that still true? Yeah, that's still true. Dude, you got to do it one time, man. People want to see it. Nah, <laughs> uh, they don't. They think they do. No they think way, they dude. Do. Oh man, I, I'm, I'm, I've I'm been a... I, I've been very adamant about that because I didn't want to make um, I didn't want to make my photography about JCH. Yeah, you know, because JCH and Bellamy are kind of two separate things, really. True. And so I didn't want to sort of garner attention to my photography just because of who, just because what JCH was, right? Yeah. Yeah, you know, and I felt that would be kind of disingenuous of me to do you're so. A, you're a humble guy, man. I respect it. You know, so I, I just tried to step away from that a bit. Yeah. Because it opens you up to unnecessary judgment as well. So it's yeah. not about being humble so much as like protecting myself too. Yeah. Um, and a lot of my work is personal. It's yeah. quite personal. I, and I'm 
having been very heavily online the last few years yeah. and seen how it can affect people and how people can react to things, I felt it really important to protect my family. Yeah. You know, because I, I, I'm very wary of that, you know. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm not saying never. All right. <laughs> Just nah, man, when I it's... I respect it. I respect it, man. Like you, you created a community. Uh, You're a part of the community at JCH, obviously, and it's all these other photographers around the world. And like, that's, that's enough. Like it's a, you don't have to put your own stuff. You're already putting out enough content already. So (laughs) it's good. (laughs) Yeah, man. Well, uh, yo, Bellamy, man, I'm glad we got to connect. Uh, Big fan of everything you got going on over there. But I guess if people are listening, if they, if they want to reach out, uh, where's the best place for them to go, I guess? Yeah, so come and hit the website, which is Japan uh, japancamerahunter.com. Yeah. Um, but you've also got, you can hit me up uh, through Instagram, Japan Camera Hunter, and YouTube, Japan yeah. Camera Hunter. You know, I mean, pretty easy to find. He's, he's, he's on all platforms, and he, he'll, he'll be there. I'll link it and everything. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Me, man, so thanks so much. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, man. It's my dream. Tokyo, that's my dream, man. One day after this COVID shit's done, I'm, I'm going to get out there, man. Yeah, you you come. You'll be welcome, man. Hell yeah. yeah. Hell yeah, Bellamy. All right, man. Well, you have a good take rest care. of your day, man. I thank you a lot. And you. Take care. Thank you. Peace. So there you have it. That was the Bellamy Hunt interview, a.k.a. Japan Camera Hunter. I uh, just want to thank Bellamy so much for taking the time to come on the podcast. Uh, like I said, I've been a big fan of uh, his work and everything he's just kind of been creating over at Japan Camera Hunter. Just some r- really amazing uh, videos and his, his blog at japancamerahunter.com. Uh, just the amount of history and knowledge he has for film photography and photography in general is uh, second to none. Uh, so definitely go check out uh, Bellamy's website at japancamerahunter.com as well as his Instagram, at Japan Camera Hunter. Uh, lots of cool stuff up there. And as always, I'll be having weekly podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, as well as the Photo Banter YouTube channel. Um, so definitely go check that out. And as always, thanks so much for listening, and take care.